You're listening to Rocket with Dr. Tamika on Dash Radio. Hello, you have tuned in to Rocket with Dr. Tamika here on Dash Radio, where we discuss insider secrets to health and so much more. Here on Rocket with Dr. Tamika, we take a look at health from a broad perspective and we break it down so that it's relatable, doable, and most definitely fun. And yes, you've guessed it, I am Dr. Tamika. And my rock stars, I hope you are ready. I hope you have your minds open, your ears and gear to learn, and you're ready to take your health to a whole new level. I have to say this, February is often seen as the month of love. Valentine's Day, chocolate, stuffed animals, and candies, oh my. Really, like who's your Valentine? I think people need to really know what else February stands for. In fact, February is heart health month. There's so many people walking around with cardiovascular disease and they don't even know it. And if we take it a step further, we need to look past the candies, the cakes and the sweet edibles, whatever edible you're eating these days. And I'm gonna leave it right there. It's important to touch upon a sweet topic. We cannot talk about sugar and not hone in on diabetes. There's so many people walking around with diabetes or there may even be pre-diabetic and they really don't even understand how serious this condition is. So you know how we do it on Rocket with Dr. Tamika. I like to bring experts among experts among experts. And so what did I do that? I brought an expert and he didn't even know what he was going to talk about. I just wanted to bring him because he's just that good. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Renal Samoa. And I think I'm saying it right. If I'm saying it wrong, he will correct me. He is a medical doctor who is an endocrinologist who specializes in so many different things, but one of them is diabetes, and he works with both kids and adults. So I'm happy that he is here today to discuss with all of you rock stars about diabetes and so many other things that are going on as an expert in endocrinology. What's up, Dr. Ray? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm like super excited. Like we just put you on the spot. I'm like, my producer Q is like, you know, he's great. I'm like, good, let's go for it. Let's bring it out there. I've read the bio. Let's do this. <laughs> well, I appreciate the energy. This is usually the time of day where my eyelids start fluttering. <laughs> Believe me, I understand. You're like, okay, what can I do to stay awake? What do I need to stay awake? <laughs> I totally get that. Um, so I was really excited to have you because you have no idea about this, but like, I believe you did your training at USC and I'm a USC grad. So undergrad in medical school. So I'm like, what's up? You have no idea. Trojans. Right. Right. I was like, you had no idea. I was like, oh, right. This is going to be easy. This is like going back home. I'm like, is he at County now? No, he's at City of Hope. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. So my rock stars can get a really good picture of you. Sure. So uh, I'm an uh, endocrinologist, which is basically um, a diabetes and hormonal specialist. And so my particular field of research is diabetes, um, the relationship between diabetes and cancer um, and diabetes in vulnerable populations, such as uh, Pacific Islanders. And so uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell pretty much. Um, What did you get, what made you go into diabetes or even pursue medicine for that? You know, to tell you the truth, like it it was accident upon accident upon accident. Like I, um, I was always a geek, um, but I didn't really have any plans of going into medicine when I went to uh, college. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, I just know I was in business and I was doing poorly. Like I was, <laughs> I was not doing well. And then um, like everyone else, you have to take uh, your requirements. And so one of those requirements was science. And I naturally did better in, in biology. Um, and so uh, one thing led to another. Uh, the uh, biology, I started taking the biology classes to um, take my mind off of the business classes. And uh, all of a sudden, I had enough credits to go into biology. Um, and it was just sort of a, a, a sort of a natural field for me. Um, it kind of, I think because, you know, it's that weird thing of like, when somebody's talking about something and you don't need to read about it as much, True. like you, you just naturally understand the language they're talking about. And I didn't know it was going to be biology for me, you know? And so um, then, uh, then I went to medical school and um, I didn't really, I didn't really have a particular interest going into medical school. Um, I just did better in, in the hormonal, like that was my language. Mm -hmm. the, the, the diabetes and, and hormones were the one class I didn't really have to like break my neck to study. Um, and so uh, after I finished, uh, so I went to residency in my training at, at SC and uh, I just naturally went into the field. Um, it was it was just sort of a, a no-brainer for me. Um, and then, then comes the social the the health inequities, right? Um, uh, when I looked into it a little bit closer, uh, I realized that um, at around the time I graduated, all the reports about um, diabetes being uh, a health disparity in communities of color started mm -hmm. to come out. But when I finished med school, um, that's when the data regarding how bad diabetes were in Pacific communities started to come out. And uh, then, so, so I started to train and learn diabetes from a uh, biological standpoint, you know, like how cells work, how hormones work, how our um, and it was fascinating to me, but what really stuck was how we weren't making any headway on diabetes in the clinic and in the communities, right? Very like, true. What, what, what had to surpass my interest in, in diabetes on the molecular and the, the cellular level was how it was ravaging our communities. Mm. So that kind of pushed me into um, the sort of social determinants of health. And um, I'm still somewhat new to that space, but as a physician, and you know, you know this as well, sometimes the fight takes us outside of the exam room, it takes us outside of the lab, um, and takes us up to the steps of, of uh, City Hall, takes us up to the steps of Congress. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's that's where I am now. Oh, so I like it because we're like, I got the cellular level, but now I got to step outside the microscope and really get to like, how can I have a big impact? 
because right, I, I got to get from behind the, the slide and really say like, okay, this I need to understand this, but for me to really have the biggest impact that I need to have in the community is I need to step outside of this and really embrace it and say, okay, like this cannot go on any longer. Because if we think about what's going on right now, even with this pandemic and those with diabetes, they're at big risk. So, and that's these underserved communities and these places that are like, oh my gosh, this is running rapid. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do about that? And it's interesting that you bring this up because one of the things I think about, I don't even think people really understand what diabetes is, even though it's been around for years. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, uh, so so it's it's really interesting you say that um, because there's so much of diabetes we don't know, you know. And as I like sort of uh, learn more about it, some of it, you know, you read from from researchers before you, and others you have to learn on your, your by doing the work yourself. Um, and so, you know, uh, there's two main forms of diabetes. Um, that people should know. The type one diabetes is usually the diabetes one would get as a child. Um, and the, it comes from not having enough insulin in the body. And so the only treatment for that is to use insulin injections or insulin uh, period. Uh, and then there's type two diabetes, which is the more common one. Um, and that one is more associated with weight gain you know, um, and your body usually makes an insulin, but it doesn't make enough um, because your body's resistant to it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's, and so the, um, a lot of times the, the, the treatment for diabetes, for type two diabetes is eating healthier, exercising. Um, but we're, we're, we're realizing that we, there's so much of that we don't know. You know, um, uh, for example, let, let's take nutrition, for example. Oh, yeah, um, that's my topic. Yeah, let's go. Right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about food? Yes. Well, <laughs> I have to tell you, I have to tell you, Dr. Tamika, I got to tell you, you know, everything I, I learned about nutrition, I would say is, is probably not accurate, you know. Mm. So, so as a medical student and then as a resident and then as a fellow, um, I was always taught that the, the, the energy in, energy out equation, like right. you have to burn more calories than you take in, and that's how you, you eat healthier. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're, t we know, we, we, we tell people to lose weight. Um, we tell people to restrict, to modify their diet. We tell people to, to go on diets. And the more I tried, I, I pulled literature out from, um, uh, from the, from, from diet studies and, and everything, it's, it's wrong, <laughs> you know? Oh, I'm like, I see why Q was like, you have to have him on the show. Yes. And I'm thinking of medical, when I was in medical school, I don't even think we had, we may have had maybe one or two nutrition classes, yeah. maybe. Right. And I'm, I'm being really generous right now. I, I remember right. granola being bad for your teeth. The granola bar was bad for your teeth. <laughs> I remember that to this day. You only required 10 hours. Right. 10 hours of nutrition um, for your whole medical education. Well, that was when I went to school. Um, and so, but, you know, the sad part about it, Dr. Tamika, is that um, 
you the even the nutritionists like if you, if you even if you look at the standard uh, nutritional approach to eating healthier even that has big problems you know and so what do I mean by that um, uh, so there's there's two things we realize that really wreck your metabolism uh, one is um, eating when you're not hungry right mm. and two is not eating when you're hungry you know people do it all day all day (laughs) (laughs) because that's dieting that's dieting and so you know i had to sort of like dig deep in 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 a lot of the literature and comb through and you know one one particular study um you know they took healthy uh college students i think they were they were dissenters from um or conscientious dissenters from the Vietnam War. And so what they did was they took these guys and they put them on uh, restrictive diets and uh, got them to exercise more, right? I don't really know what the purpose of it for them to do that because they were all pretty healthy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening was uh, for the most part, all these guys had a healthy relationship with food. Um, by the end of the study, they were all food addicted. Mm. Like um, they all had, they all had like negative relationships with food, you know. Right. Um, and that's because that that whole idea of dieting, um, that restriction, you know, when you when you when you when your body tells you to eat, like hunger, it's a signal from the body that you need something. Right. You know? And so what happens when you don't respond? Well, your brain and your body go, hey, we told you to go get something and you didn't listen. So now we're gonna keep the signal on all the time, right? Because we don't know if you're gonna respond. Right. So that means you're gonna be hungry all the time, right? Right, it's like, I don't know when you're gonna feed me. I don't don't know when you're coming. I don't know when you're gonna feed me. So I'm just gonna make sure at some point you're going to eat because I'm just going to keep giving you eat, 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 like subliminal, <laughs> right? Right. And, and, you know, so it's that whole, I, I don't know if every, anybody's ever told you this, but a, a lot of times people come into my office and they say, you know, I can never seem to get full. Oh, right. Yes. Like there's something wrong with me. There's like, I, I, I just can't get full. And it's that whole thing of, um, you know, your brain constantly telling you you're hungry because you're restricting, you know. And sometimes, you know, we, we grow up in, in situations where we don't have good access to food, right? Like, and so the, the, the brain, you know, even though you would eat if, you, if the food was in front of you, mm-hmm. you can't, right? right? And so that, that, that signal that you're always hungry is going to get turned on in people that don't have access. True. And so um, same thing when, when you eat, when you're not hungry, you know? So uh, I think we're all kind of guilty of eating in front of like the, the computer screen or on the telephone or movie sometimes we're having- At the movies, you know, you go to eat, Dr. Ray, you go out to eat, you had a, well, when we were really going out to eat, right? You go out to eat, you have a great meal. And the minute you hit that movie theater, it's like, I want some popcorn. Right. You know, <laughs> I need some, some people want Twizzlers, some people want red vines, but just like, and you know, you're full, you know, you're full. Cause if you look at like the, the indigenous eating patterns, 
um, all of them, you know, most, most indigenous cultures have some form of mindful eating put into their eating practice, mm -hmm. you know, like um, in a lot of cultures, it's rude to stand up and eat, oh. you know, like you have to sit down. In a lot of cultures, you're not supposed to talk, right? Like there's one mouth for eating and one mouth for talking. That's a common Samoan saying. Um, and so these are all like, uh, you know, this this was mindful eating before mindful eating was even like discussed, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, these this indigenous eating pattern, um, you know, back then they, they didn't have a lot of things to distract them. So it was a little bit easier, um, but, you know, it's that whole kind of reintroducing the wisdom of the past to help us with the ills of today, you know? Um, but I'm thinking about this, you know, some people like, when I have people that come into my practice who are like, I really want to get off all this diabetic medication. And some of them are like, do you feel anything? And like, they'll say, oh, I don't feel anything. Oh, I don't have any pain. I don't have any numbness. I don't have any tingling. Or there's this concept of, well, my grandmother had diabetes. My, my mother has diabetes. My aunts have diabetes. It's just a matter of time before I get it. So why do anything about it? And so I'm trying to help change that whole mindset. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, there's a, we, the, there was a study, um, uh, actually a report in Hawaii where they, they uh, did this survey for all these diabetic family members. So the, the family member didn't have diabetes. And so they asked like, uh, who's to blame for the patient getting diabetes? And they said, you know, all of them said, well, it's the patient's fault. But they also said, that they were gonna get it too, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that whole sort of like locked in mentality, like predestined mentality. Um, and, you know, I think it's that whole, like not, not giving give good tools um, uh, regarding nutrition and, 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 and physical activity because you still have people. So I, I never really, as of 2020, like I stopped, um, uh, commenting on people's weight, you know, um, and stop using weight as a measure of their health, you know. Okay. And so a lot of times when somebody comes in, they'll tell me, they're like, um, well, I need to lose weight. I was like, well, I don't think you need to lose weight. You need to be healthier. Right. You know, like if weight loss comes in the process of being healthier, yay. Um, but we get so body conscious. Oh, that you know, uh, uh, that it's, we, we put all our, our, our mental energies into um, our weight so that it's like when our weight's really high, we don't want to talk about our health at all. No, not at all. We don't right? even want to touch the subject. Right? <laughs> and so that's the thing about dieting, right? Like all diets show you have yet to, you know, besides, um, uh, what do you call it? gastric bypass, um, but even that to some degree, um, show that at the six month mark, um, people gain weight back. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what diet you choose, the majority of people gain weight back. And then um, at the end of a year, they gain all the weight back, you know, like- Not more. <laughs> right. And that's, that's almost every diet that you can think of. Um, I'm talking about, um, vegan. I'm talking about uh, the Mediterranean diet, the keto, um, you know, uh, vegetarian. 
so you know we keep pushing this concept this this concept of calorie restriction or or quality change but we never sit down and talk about how ignoring our body cues is is leading us to the same result over and over again does it work yes it does work for a certain group of people under certain conditions you know but you know it's it's not how shall we say it it's it's the minority of people that that go into these diets that that it's successful for you know I can say that when I, it's, it, I love the fact that you're saying, let's work on getting healthy. When people come into my practice and they always want to talk about weight and I'll tell them, I'm not the weight loss doctor. So we're not going, we're not going down that route, but we can work on inflammation. So instead of you beating yourself up mentally, let's talk about getting rid of inflammation. So if you want to say something, you can say, you know, I have some inflammation I'm working on. Right. So if we get rid of inflammation, the side effect will be the weight will come off. So let's get rid of that. And work that way because I think people beat themselves up way too much with weight. And it doesn't even matter. And it's across all cultures, every single one of them. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I have a big, my BMI, my don't follow the BMI, depending on what your background is and so forth. At the end of the day, let's just get healthy. Yeah. Let's just get healthy. And then I also see in my diabetic patients, like there's this thought that, well, I'm always going to have to be on medication. I'm like, but did you do the stuff ahead of time? that say that could potentially take you away, that can take the medication away because lifestyle changes work. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you're, when someone comes to you and they say like, Dr. Ray or Dr. Samoa, you know, I really don't want to take diabetes medication. What can I do? Like what type of advice do you offer to them? So, so it's one of those things where we, you know, I go through, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty lengthy, like I, we do a lot of discussion about how the body works mm -hmm. and how you develop insulin resistance. But then we talk about the roots, you know, and the roots of it are your nutrition, your physical activity, your sleep, and your stress management. Oh. Those are the four walls of wellness. Mm -hmm. And so you can either work on those four walls or you can be on medication, um, you know, and so, the thing we always talk about medication is a lot of times you don't choose the medication that has no side effect. You settle for the ones that you can handle. True. Right. And so uh, it's, but the thing about the, the roots too is the medications for diabetes, oftentimes they help with um, the blood sugar, mm -hmm. but they don't change the reason why the blood sugars are going up to begin with. Oh, you, you know you're speaking my language. I'm not even an endocrinologist. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm about to give myself an honorary degree right there now. There you go. <laughs> I'll stab the fellowship. Stab it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because people people are so concerned. Like I'm like you're you're looking at your blood sugar, great, but what else is going on? Yeah. What else is going on? And I talk about insulin resistance. We're talking about stress. We're talking about cortisol hormones. We're talking about like not getting enough rest, not moving. What are you eating? But people don't want to sometimes, unfortunately, my rock stars, they don't want to hear that. Like right. they don't, they want this. There is no magic pill. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. There is no, there is no magic pill. Um, but the magic is you. Right. You know, and so, yeah, that's a lot of what we do is destigmatizing in the beginning. You know, oftentimes what I tell people is the diabetes 
is not there's nothing special about you that made you get diabetes you know like anybody who's in your situation that went through your life struggles that's dealing with the hustle the way you're dealing with it um is going to get diabetes you know and so you kind of have to take people out of that mindset that something special happened to them that caused the diabetes you know mm -hmm. it's like the, the diabetes is, is a discordance uh, between you and your environment. And, and, the job, and the job that you have, if you don't want to be on the medications, is to reconcile that relationship between you and your life. Right. I like that because I don't think people, one of the things I say a lot is love yourself to success. What can you do that's helping you get where you need to get to because the, the head trash, there's enough people around you who's going to beat you up. So I don't need you to beat yourself up internally. So do we need to bring in a therapist to help you deal with some things that may have happened before? What are your thoughts on that? I'm big on therapists. So, so you know, the, the hardest part I deal with is the stress part. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people come in expecting to hear about nutrition and physical activity. But it's the stress part that I think is the reason why people keep coming back, you know, um, because there's enough studies that show people that have high stress have a higher risk of dying mm -hmm. uh, out of anywhere. Um, but if you look at those people, if you look at those people more closely, um, the people who look at the stress as, as something that is meant to help teach them that it has a purpose those people actually fare better than people who report low stress, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, the, the truth of the matter is there is no world where we're, we're not going to experience some type of stress. True. Any life worth living will have some degree of stress to it. Mm -hmm. But how we process that stress, you know, that has the, 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 implicate, the, the ramifications of how much damage you're going to get from dealing with that stress. No. And I interestingly like the idea of the fact that when you're dealing with a health condition, no matter what it is, when you're dealing with life, let's just call it life, there is stress. The question is, how are you going to approach it? Is it going to be something that's going to have you in a moment where you're just in a, where you don't and not able to do anything and your life is getting impacted, your relationships, your jobs impacted, the kids, you kick the dog, and now it's out of control. And then you're like, Dr. Samoa, fix my diabetes. Right, <laughs> right, right, that's exactly it. Right? right. Um, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of it is, is just talking. You right. know, um, it is crazy how many people I come across that have no outlet, you know? Like they're, they're in marriages and they're in churches and they're, they have friend networks, but they have no outlet. Um, because, you know, when, the, the biggest problem with stress a lot of times is that, that those thoughts keep going. They keep banging around. And I think that the biggest reason for that is when the brain thinks you haven't addressed something, it keeps reminding you, you know? And oh, so, yes. And so you have to, you have to like verbally push those thoughts out so that you can look at them, you mm -hmm. know, and then process them. Um, because if you don't, like you said, it just compounds itself. Oh, it's it's interesting. We I do this talk. It's called reversing diabetes naturally. And one of the things we talk about in my talk is um, the natural stress response. 
and how I talk about how zebras, you know, they can be running after a lion and the lion kills the zebra, but the zebra then goes back to grazing. But many of us have a lion racing in our minds all the time. And the body can't tell the difference between is that a real lion or an imagined lion? So how are you going to address this? You have to, and I love it, call it out, look at it and say like, is this real? How is this impacting me? What can I do to make myself better? And then let's move forward. And it's okay. I tell people it's okay to visit pity, but you cannot live there. Yeah. You can have your moment. You can't live. Let's call life. Have your moment. But I'm like, you can't live there. I'm just gonna, I built another, another, um, another level on my house of pity. And now I got a tri level. Well, I got a mansion of pity. No, <laughs> there's too much life to live, right? Too much, yes. too much yes. life to live. This is your girl, Dr. Tamika. Got a health question you want to ask? DM us at I am Dr. Tamika. Discover insider tips on how to rock your health with Dr. Tamika on Dash Radio. We have questions coming in, Dr. Samoa, and I really want to go through them with you. So if you don't mind, I'm going to, because you are like, I, I, mean, I could talk to you all day because you speak my life. <laughs> See that USC bond I'm trying to say. No. All, right. All, right. <laughs> all right. We have Junior from East Palo Alto. How does diabetes complicate COVID-19 or vice versa? That's a great question. Um, so, uh, oh my goodness, there's so many ways. So one of the things we realized is the things that put people at risk for diabetes, um, you know, not having good access to food, not having good access to healthcare, um, you know, being stressed at work, um, these are the same risk factors for COVID. You know, so they're going to run in the same communities. Um, you know, when we were doing this work early, we were noticing that anytime we looked at a community of color, there was a there was an outbreak. It was a hot spot. Right. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't like we were doing anything magical. We were just like, oh, you know, here's one, here's one, here's one. And so um, when you looked even deeper, uh, you know, it was the same, the, the same uh, risk factors that was causing, you know, high rates of diabetes, heart disease, cancer. Um, that's the track, that's the railroad track that COVID used to break into our communities. Right. And, and so I, there's that, right? Right. I'm like, keep going. I love it because people need to hear this. They think like, and I, when I talk about COVID, I always say, you know, people always want to talk about the bacteria, but what's going on with the host? What's going on inside of you? That's where it wreaks havoc. So if you have, like you said, you found the hot spot in the various communities. Oh, Dr. Samoa, keep going. Yeah, share, let them, you better recognize people who you better recognize. So there's other connections too. There, there's some things in regards to different medications that, um, you know, theoretically can help with COVID and others that kind of, kind of predispose it. But those, those linkages are, are relatively weak. We do know that um, comorbid diseases, especially diabetes, increases your risk of mortality from, from COVID. So, you know, there's a higher risk of dying from it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, on top of being at greater risk for catching it, um, because you have the same risk factors as diabetes, just having the high rates of diabetes causes you to have a higher risk of dying from it. You know? Right. And so um, a lot of like, what we tried to stress in the beginning is, is to do the things that you need to do to take care of the diabetes, uh, to give your body and your immune system a fighting chance. 
you know, and so. I don't think people really like, I think they're starting to get it, but I still don't think it's registered. Like how much is like, what can you do to give your body the opportunity to be the most successful? You know, and it goes back to those four pillars again, you know, those four walls you talked about, are you getting enough rest? Are you eating? Are you moving around? You know, are you managing your stress? Or are you doing the active steps? Because that helps you love yourself to success and helps you to be successful. So when the, this bacteria comes in, you're like, no, not today. Right. We're not doing this today, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. There's another question coming in from Nina from Las Vegas. I, I hear this so much. Can I get rid of type 2 diabetes if I stop eating carbs and or lose a lot of weight? We just kind of talked about that, yeah? Um, <laughs> yes, yes. So the thing about like um, uh, doing the carb restriction uh, eventually you're going to get to the point where the, the, the cutting the carbs um, will have its limit, right? So, so one of the things I did on top of like reading about all these diets and, and these diet studies is for the most part, for the last 12, no, 15 years, um, I've tried them. I've tried them. <laughs> and I've given them all a good year at least, right? So I did keto. Um, and the, there, there was a certain part where you do lose weight and it, it actually becomes a little difficult socially um, mm. to, to have keto, especially if you're in communities of color. Mm. Um, but the bigger problem with, with, with keto that I found was at a certain point, I was, um, I was losing muscle. Um, and uh, with, with keto, the same things happen, right? Um, it's that uh, keto, like like a lot of diets, promotes this uh, bad relationship with food. You know, like you have you ever? I don't know if you've ever done keto. I have. I like. I'm one of those. Let me try before I give it to my patient. Right. <laughs> I do the same thing. So, so you've been there those times when you've been around food that you like mm -hmm. and you get that, oh, I got to, you know, like you, you try to, you have to reach in and, and, and sort of like control yourself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Right? That's, that's an unhealthy relationship with food. <laughs> so the, because the food has the power at that point. Right. Um, and so the, what it sets it up in your mind is your mind's going to just want carbs all the time. Right. You know, you get to the point where, and so like in the long run, we'll, we'll, can you lose weight? Yes. Like I said, like people have done it successfully. They're the minority. Um, and at the six month mark, um, people start to gain weight back from, from uh, the keto. Um, and then at about a year, you know, a lot of the weight comes back, you know, so it's a, it's a short term fix. And if that's what you need to jump on the wagon, Okay, you know, uh, but developing a, uh, a healthier relationship with food, I think that's that's uh, that's that's something that's going to benefit you much longer um, than short-term diets. And it was interesting about that as well as something that you what can you maintain? So I understand that you can eat a certain way and you can do this for this amount of time. Well, what can you maintain realistically? And then it, it's eating is very social, even in a pandemic. 
it's very social. So if you're thinking about now that things are opening back up and restaurants are there, people go out and they're like, well, I can't have this. Well, I, I want this or no, well, I'm not eating. So then it creates this whole where I don't want to go. But you need the, the companionship. You need the social, you need to de-stress, but you don't want to because it's stressful because you have a stressful relationship with food. But I get it if you need like a boost, like, okay, I need something to help me, like motivate me to get healthier. So I'm going to do a keto. I'm going to do a, a vegan lifestyle, or I'm going to do like an autoimmune paleo, whatever the case may be. And that works for you. And then maybe there's some other things going on with your body that when you eat keto, it just doesn't agree. Maybe, you know, your cholesterol is going way too high. You know, there's other things you have to take into consideration. So I think if you're taking steps to being healthier, then I applaud you because that's all I want you to do is to continue to take a step after a step after a step, right? Yeah. All right. So we have something else coming in. We have Mark from Sacramento. Being diabetic, I realize that I need to change my diet. Does my exercise need to change as well? If so, how? So that's a great question. So um, exercise is like medicine, right? Um, people think that you can just use any kind of exercise and you'll get the benefit that you want. Um, so, you know, that would like, that's like saying you can take cough medicine for everything, right? So there's three basic components to or three different types of exercise. Um, you know, there's strength, um, which is typically, you know, comes from things like weight training. There's endurance. Uh, that comes from things like cardio, uh, running, and then there's mobility, which is um, your flexibility and your stability. Mm -hmm. And so all of these kind of different, these three different components of, of health uh, and exercise, um, you kind of need all three of them. You know, uh, you need a strength component, you need an endurance component, you need a, um, uh, a mobility component. And sometimes, you know, when you're just starting out, um, uh, there's a lot of exercise that can do all three at once. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you'll get to the point where, you know, you're so fit that you have to do specific activities. Um, as you get older, the one that we do the least, which is the one we need the most, is mobility. Oh, you know, all day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> all day long. Right, exactly. So, like, mobility comes from stretching, uh, yoga, uh, things that sort of uh, help your, your core, but also make sure you maintain your range of motion. Um, and so the, you can tell if they're the, when a doctor knows what he's talking about, when he can separate or he or she can separate um, uh, the types of exercise for the particular goal. You know? yeah. And so with like weight loss, if you are going to concentrate on weight loss, which I don't really recommend, um, strength training tends to help more with that. Um, if you're just trying to make sure your everyday energy and you're not falling asleep in the afternoon is okay, then endurance. Um, and then to get better at both of those, you need mobility. 
You know, it's I um I was someone that I love exercise, right? I just it's just my it's my de-stressor. But I had to tell, I tell people, I had to tell myself this is too much of this activity. So I have to vary it. So in December, I did this exercise challenge with people in social media. And I was like, you know, just do whatever. And I mean, people are like, I'm losing weight, I'm losing weight. And I'm like, I'm doing the same exercise. I need to help people understand there's different types. So are you doing the strength training? Are you doing the endurance where you're like trying to work on cardio? Are you doing more mobility? And I'm going to emphasize more flex, you know, flexibility because you, as you get older and coming from a geriatric background, um, you want mobility <laughs> more than <laughs> you want to be able, because if you fall, the last thing you want to do as an older person is break a hip. You don't want that because the morbidity mortality behind that is really high. So when I hear you saying these things, I'm like, oh, no wonder everybody likes you. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder everybody's like, oh, because I think people get so caught up in, and it's so confusing, right? There's so much information out there. Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on, I'm everywhere. Google. I don't know who to follow. And I tell people, and I, I joke about it, but I say it seriously. I'm like, you know, everybody's practicing what I call the HAP method. They're like, what is that, Dr. Tamika? Hoping and praying that what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, praying that it's going to work, right? Very so people, much so. they're yeah. really trying. I mean, even when we think about uh, the various uh, supplements, right? There's so much out there. Like, what do I take? Well, I heard if I do uh, garlic, it helps with my blood pressure. Well, if I take berberine, it helps with my uh, blood sugar. Uh, well, I heard about cinnamon. It's, what do they do? Like, they need solid guides yeah. to help them to get this right. Oh, you know, we, I get that all the time, you know, from all walks of life, all different cultures, everyone has their like thing that they come in with, like, what about this? And, you know, I'm, I'm it, it's very funny that somebody thinks something is missing from their diet. You know, <laughs> like I'm like, I, I can almost guarantee you in the country of the United States of America, you are not missing anything from your diet, you know? It is, it's actually more of like, like I said, if, if you don't like what you're eating, don't eat it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so uh, uh, it's the same thing with supplements, you know, like if, if, if it is not something that uh, you don't, except for iron, okay, iron and, and some other things, if you test them and they're low, I get, take that. Uh, but for the most part, like with supplements, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more about uh, trying to make your relationship with food healthier um, so that you, you don't lose supplements because your body's metabolism is working for you. I agree. And I tell people, because I do, I do give some of my clients supplements and I'll say the supplements are supposed to be just that supplemental. If yeah. you're not doing the food, if you're not doing the sleep, if you're not getting the water, if you're not getting the rest, if you're not managing your stress, this is not going to work. And you're going to tell me. Right. And I'm like, you're going to say something. And I'm like, okay, well, what about all the other stuff? No, no, but, but this is not. <laughs> and then I joke with them. I'm like, you're going to end up with PTSD. And they're like, how could you say that? I'm like, post-traumatic supplement disorder. <laughs> you're going to have too much stuff on board with all these pills. And it's like, you're trading a prescription for a supplement. I'm not asking you to go that route. I'm just trying to say like, and a lot of people, a lot of my diabetics come in, they have what I call the, um, trifecta 
they have the blood pressure med, the diabetes med, and the cholesterol med. And they're frustrated. And they're like, I don't even know why I'm taking all this. And I'll look at the cholesterol and I'm saying, okay, well, I don't know why they gave this, but what are you doing? What are you doing for your body? So have you, do you see the trifecta in your practice? Yes. I mean, that's, that's the standard cocktail, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I think that's the other thing too, is that there's some people who are getting it right. Um, and a lot of my practice has been watching people who get it right and learn from that. You know, like I always tell my patients that when you come in, this is not just an opportunity for you to learn from me. This is for me to learn from you as well. You know, right. like um, these, I, I didn't, you know, I have to say like a lot of my research into diets um, and, you know, your producer can tell you, this is my geek speak. Like <laughs> I am the worst person to be at at a, at a dinner party because this is my, this is what I, this is what I love to talk about. Um, this is not geek speak. Do you know how many people, like I have this ongoing joke, like I can sit down and people are like, okay, what is she eating? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like in the market, it's like, what does she get? I'm like, okay, like I'm human. I like Swedish fish candy. So you may see that in my basket every now and then. I, I'm human. I don't want the negative, like, oh my God, I can't have that. You know, you I, may see yeah, some <laughs> Because that's that whole thing of, of, of having a healthier relationship with food is, you know, you have those foods um, and you don't cut yourself off. You let your body feel the things that come from that food, right? Like, for instance, if I eat like a uh, thicker breads, you know, like focaccia and things like that, I'm done. I'm, I'm like wiped out and sick. Um, and so my body, like now, if I pass by pizza, I don't, I don't have any craving because my body's like, mm, that's not ours. Right. Um, and then there's other foods like um, ice cream where I could eat my body weight and nothing will happen, right? And so with those, you know, um, if you if you enjoy the taste of those and you let yourself enjoy it fully, um, you start to uh, you start to crave it less, right? Because you're not you're not wondering, oh, like the ice cream's there, I should have it, you know, because I've been good or something like that. You, you know you can have it whenever you want to. So that 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 piece of you that always wants it goes away. Yeah. Oh, it's that's really good because when I think about um, I tell people all the time, you your body gives you signals left and right. The question is, are you listening? Yes. Are you listening? And we're so busy, like you know, I would love to know the culture, like the different cultures you say, like you have to sit down and eat. Like, you know, we don't have that. We're like, running out the door <laughs> with a bar and a smoothie. Like I gotta go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, myself included. So I'm not trying to like say that I'm any better or any different than anyone else, but that's life. But there's so many signals the body gives. It will say like, oh, you know, you'll eat something and you'll say, oh, that my stomach bothers me, but it always happens. But maybe you're not supposed to do that. Maybe it's the almonds that you and I both are health, know is healthy, but they're not healthy for you, but you're not slowing down to pay attention. like. I don't do so well with almonds, right? Yeah. So I think people don't slow down enough to listen and because the body tells us. Yeah, well, the whole thing about it too is if you've ever sat and eaten something like like regularly, like that's your, your standard practice, you'll find out you don't like sitting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 
So, so for instance, one of the common things you said before is we, we eat when we watch movies, right? We, we commonly eat popcorn. So um, one of the things that, that I, I stress to patients is not to be distracted. So if you're watching a movie and you're hungry, stop the movie, eat something, and then turn the movie back on when you're done, right? So when you do that, eventually you get to the point where like, I don't want to stop this damn movie. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, I don't want to stop. Right. I'm not, I'm not that hungry. I'm not that hungry. So, so then you start to take away, because that, that part of your brain that tells you you're full, it's mm -hmm. easily distracted, you know? So even when you're like talking to someone, like if you're engaged in conversation um, while you're eating, you miss it. You know, that, that part of your brain is locked onto that conversation so it won't tell you you're full, you know? So that's why when you're eating with friends, it is so easy. It's so easy to just overeat. Um, right, because right. you don't hear it. And I'm, I'm like, I just think about, we can even take it to a step further with right now with all the virtual learning for children, right? And then they get in front of the video games. I, if I don't stop my kids from the video game, they won't eat. Like, it's just like, <laughs> they, they oh, just, yeah they don't do anything else. And I'm like, okay, let's stop. Let's move away from there and let's eat. But yeah. the same thing with your saying is like watching that movie and that, that act, you're not even like, you're really not eating. You're just, it's just the action. It's like, it's a common, like I eat, I do this. It's the experience of doing the popcorn with the M&Ms. But if you were to say, I'm going to try that. I'm like, when you're watching the movie, I want you, if you're hungry, I want you to stop. Somebody might shoot me in my pinky toe. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, you know, and, and this the, the the gamer the gamer life is real you know and so like sometimes with with even my own kids they're teenagers i'll walk into the room and it's it's like a gas station blew up in there you know there's <laughs> like chips and soda and stuff and i'm like okay look i don't you know if we're going to adhere to this you cannot eat these things while you're watching or playing games come out take a break and you know, if you're, and then when you're done with it, go back to your your game, right? Um, because that's a that's the other part too is you got to teach them how to operate in that environment, um, you know. Because right now we're we're what are we doing? We're 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 trying to get them to eat healthier when they're not gaming, which is probably like a small part of their nutritional activity, um, and so. Yeah, these these are, but it's it's a different it's a different time because you know like uh, there's that part of you that adheres to that whole like I gotta I gotta get them to eat healthier I gotta put some fruit down their face or you know like right and and you you know it it causes you to like get anxious about your kids' health and and all of those things um, but you have the the I think what we're better off trying to teach them how to live with food in their lives as they get older, you know? I don't think we do, and I think we could do a better job and continue to be, I think more the better word is probably to be consistent yeah. because we need to be, I think parents really want to do a good job of like, okay, eat this way. These foods are good for you. This is good for your body in the long haul. Your body will thank you. If you take care of your body now, it will take care of you later. But the consistency behind it, gets a little bit challenging. You know, you have 
work, you have your spouse, you have your partner, you have what's going on in your own personal life, what's going on over here. And then you have your kids and like, I'm trying to be as consistent as possible. But I think that like, we have to be intentional and say like, okay, walk away, go do this. You know, and I'm very big on, you know, taking care of like, what are you eating? You know, and my kids are so funny. Well, mom, I don't think I have enough protein. Exactly. You don't have enough protein. That's why you're over here eating everything up. Just You can't just eat <laughs> garlic bread and rice. <laughs> yes, we have the same menu at our house. <laughs> but you know, as we're coming to a close, I really want to know, like, are there any parting pearls that you could share with us here on Rocket with Dr. Tamika, Dr. Samoa, that we could just share with those who are listening? Uh, you know, I think it's 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 about the garden, you know, like um a lot of times people come in and they think that there's something inherently wrong with them, you know? And, but what I tell them is, you know, if a seed doesn't grow um, in a garden, uh, then it, it's, it might be the seed's fault. But if you continuously have bad seeds in a garden, it's the garden's fault, mm. you know? And so we, we need to start looking at chronic disease um, from that lens um, and, Offer some grace, you know, in this in this struggle of, of life, um, but move forward with with better science, you know. Uh, and so uh, that's what I plan to do. Look, I I always tell my clients and I tell myself practice grace and gratitude not only towards others but towards yourself because a lot of times you're so quick to impart that to a friend, a, a family member, a child, but we don't do that for ourselves. And I think the fact that you even said that, extending your grace and just, well, what can I do? What step can I take today to move me along that being healthy journey? And every day is a little step. A little step every day. A step, a little step every day. Even if you have a moment where you take a half a step back, okay, that's life. Let's just keep moving forward. And we learn from the half a step back and that's okay be encouraging not only to others but to yourself and if you're not getting that encouraging word there's nobody better to encourage you besides yourself yes yeah, <laughs> right very. so i am like i dr samoa i'm like i have to have you come back i want to talk about like all these diets like i want to break that deck can we break the diets down q can we just break it down line by line by line i have to tell you from the depths of my heart Thank you so much for coming and tuning in and just sharing your expertise on Rocket with Dr. Tamika. You are a jewel and I am super oh, thankful. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so good. So stay tuned for the next episode on Rocket with Dr. Tamika. We are doing big things here. Know this, I bring the best of the best. You come in with your questions and we answer them. Together we will get better because a healthier you leads to a healthy community. You're listening to Rocket with Dr. Tamika on Dash Radio.